I didn't have notes for this particular podcast, Joe the Pro. <laughs> you started because already. I figured that we would. Um, I, I thought we would just wing it a little bit. Mm. I, this is a podcast that I've been looking forward to actually for some time, if I'm honest. Okay. Because I think we could go deep when it comes to discussions about the game of golf. How long we got? We've got time. One thing I do want to say and point out to the audience is we don't actually, we're not actually been, we've only only met each other about less than two years ago. Yeah, actually, oh, well, it's no, coming up to our two-year anniversary. I is reckon, it our two-year anniversary? People think yeah. that we've known each other for a long, long time. No, no, we no. haven't. No. no our first you? get-together was at the Burnham and Barrow match. Which is Paul, just out on the vault, I just saw. It's just come out in the vault, yeah. from the vault. Had Jordan piecing them all together. We got about 22, 21, 22 golf courses that we've vlogged, that we've kept all the files for and all the pieces, and we're going to put it together and put it out once a month. Okay. Just so people can sit down by the fire, you know, get really get into an hour and a half of proper solid golf, you know. It's quite horrifying for those of us who've lost two stones since that point of time when you look back and see your big yeah, chubby how face. Did you, how did you feel with that? It's quite, um, uh, I don't know, it was depressing looking at that, but then pleasing to not, Still feel like I felt then um, from a from a weight point of view. So it was that was quite uh, yeah going off on a tangent there. Well, uh, to be fair, when we were when we when we were getting into that run, I was getting to getting to know you a bit more, and you did start talking about that you wanted to focus a little bit more on your golf. You wanted to focus a little bit more on your fitness. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was something that we discussed in the buggy, if I remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, sort of. I'm always thinking that though, like like most people, where you. Yeah, I think I'm just I'm going to hit the gym hard. I'm going to do this. I say a lot of things and quite often don't follow through as well as I should. And that was probably a time I sort of did that. I tried to play a little bit that year coming out of just still coming out of the back of lockdowns and things at that point, weren't we? So I was I think everyone was super keen to get to get a bit fitter, play more golf and so on. And work and life didn't really allow it at that point. And then I, I refocused a little bit more probably 12 months later than the following winter. I remember we played at, at um, when did we play? Travose, you, me, Leicester, and another chap I was paired up with by Graham. And um, that was when I shot, remember I shot nine oh, under you, in you that. you with Ian. Ian, that was yeah, it. Sorry, Ian, sorry, Ian, I forgot your name Ian for a came, yeah. Ian came to uh, Turkey with us. Yes. So that was the first. Yeah, I, even though we played with Ian, I then really got to know Ian when we went to Turkey. Super yeah, guy. good lad, yeah, good lad, Ian. I remember you sending me a picture from the airport having a beer, I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I played pretty well. That obviously well that day, shot nine under. Started to feel like I was back playing some reasonable stuff again. That gave me a bit of focus to hit the gym as well. And then I start, yeah, just just went at it a little bit harder. Didn't sort of transpire how I wanted it to. Just lost my way a little bit again, swing wise and whatever else. And yeah, and found myself here. Gym work then. I mean, is, is mm. gym work been like? Do you? Do you see it as like an important part of your life? Has it been a part of your life growing up? Have you always been in like one that's wanted to? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like it was, and it's probably a terrible thing to say, but it's vanity more than anything. So when I grew up, it was a thing. People were trying to get fitter and stronger for golf when I was on England squads, like with Ruthie and things like that. It, it was spoken about and, you know, it, probably not to the extent it is today I don't remember ever really being given a specific program or a specific nutrition plan or anything like that but it was spoken about and there were you know there were some examples to follow and you could find stuff online from TPI about what to do but the gym stuff I did was probably more yeah it was vanity orientated yeah what 
17, 18, up to 21, you're, you're interested in pressing girls, not golf courses. So that's what I was doing and probably doing all the wrong stuff for golf. Yeah, so yes, but not as golf specific as I probably should have been. And now that you're you're soon, I think, are you soon to hit the ripe old age of... Already there, mate. Have you hit it? Just. 40. You've gone just trishing over the top of the hill. <clears throat> yes, downward, I've peaked. Downward, you've peaked, yeah. That's quite, a, that's quite a, an interesting thought, isn't it? You feel like you've peaked. You're on the downward slope of your... Well, I think you're, you suppose yeah, technically your you're dying from about 18, aren't you? You peak physically then, and then you, you, you slowly... Your body's just deteriorating from 18. I very think probably steadily. the 18th birthday, isn't it? You know, I think you it is the 18th birthday. Absolutely, like, excited about life. Yeah, and yeah, did that. You, you've peaked it. <laughs> yeah, and then you just slowly go. You're just slowly falling away from there. But yeah, no, I think um, everyone knows a bit more, don't they, about eating, about diet, about exercise and stuff like that. So maybe 40 is the new 30 or 20. No, I, I like the fact. I like the fact that it is the new 30 really i i feel i feel 30 you're kind of sensible at 20 you're kind of still you know figuring it all out but yeah at, at 30 you, you're kind of starting to see this your senses a little bit in life and i like the new 40 being the new do you know what i tell my kids as well so now now that i've hit 40 and i'm 42 i don't allow them to say the 42 bit i'm just 40 yeah, you're, so you're i remain 40 until i'm 50 yeah, and that's what David Brent used to say in the office. Is that right? Yeah, he, is him, that right? Him and Tim would have a discussion. He'd say, we're both in our 30s. Well, 39, David. Yes, we're both in our 30s, Tim. So, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take your point there. Yeah, Very good. so good on that. And, and, and how important do you feel now at the ripe old age of 40 with your fitness and what we know about fitness now and how important it is? Certainly when you hit your 40s, you're going to start to lose a muscle, aren't you? You're going to lose yeah. all of that, that stuff that you've built up over time. Is it on your is it on your mind? Is it something you just want to keep on top of? It is from a health point of view, obviously, because I'm not playing as much golf and um, as much tournament golf as as I ever did. It's that's not the priority. The priority I've got two kids, and you don't want to be aching when you sit down to play with them on the floor and running around out of breath and stuff like that. So from a lifestyle point of view, and, and I guess from a mental point of view. It's good for you, isn't it? It's good to feel good about yourself. It's good to feel in good nick. And from a longevity point of view, yeah, I'd say from a health side of it. But um, yeah, from a golf point of view, I, I, I don't know, probably like you, and we have a lot of discussions about this, don't we? Sort of late night over the phone. Sometimes we were just both depressed about our games. And um, <laughs> I, I always want to push a little bit harder. I'd, I'd like to still... With my job now, it's freed me up a bit more time. It's very flexible um, to maybe play a bit more golf and put a little bit more effort in. I've just got to put some some pieces into place to make it easier for me to work on my game. Um, if that makes sense, I can elaborate on that a little bit, just in terms of places to practice, time to actually physically play golf rather than just hit a few balls and do some chipping and putting. Um, I'm, you know, got a few little things I need to put into place to make that easier. Something that, like Paul, for example, does really, really well. He he cultivates these circumstances and his environment to make it easier. You know, he's got his his little setup at home, his putting green. He's got his net in the back garden. He's got his gym that he's just done. Amazing. Yeah, brilliant. What a, what a gym it is. What a gym it is. It's a beautiful gym. I'm sure he's cut corners and got a lot of bargains I, there. I don't like because so he's converted his garage into a gym. And 
you should have seen the state. Did you ever see the state of his garage? I didn't know. I only he, saw the finished product. Oh, yeah. my word. Like, you couldn't move in there. Like, you really? couldn't put your golf bag on, the, on your back and spin around. Like, there was no space for that. It was full of junk. And he's, where he's put all that stuff, I have no idea, but... Have you seen any fly tipping around the Plymouth well, area? Around the, yeah. <laughs> but fitness, I mean, fitness is important, not just for keeping, keeping yourself obviously in good shape, but, but distance. Mm. You know, we, 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 we're just chatting then about equipment, and I do want to get onto equipment because I think it's something that we can, again, we could talk for hours about this, but... Do you see yourself like your your ball speeds up and around the one eighty mark? Do you see do you see yourself getting any more than one eighty with all the new equipment coming out with the gym workouts? What, what, what what's your th- what's your? Th- I mean, you better get it done before twenty twenty eight because of the rollback of the ball. Correct, but yeah. what do you think with equipment now with your new role? And we'll come into that. Yeah. But where, where where are we going with equipment? Is it are we making any headway in certain? parameters i'd say yeah balls come a long long way uh, and still continues to make incremental improvements i would say in ball in terms of stability of flight spin consistency things like that um we were chatting about driver i think when i came up a second ago weren't we that much of a muchness can is probably harsh but ball speed's been limited the the ct the cor of the club has been limited since 2013, I think it is now, so so a decade. So anyone who's telling you their driver is quicker, it's just not true. It can't be. If it was quicker, then they're either saying their last stuff was not performing optimally to the level that it was allowed to perform to, or that the new stuff's breaking, breaking the rules. So the only real technical advancements you can have in drivers nowadays is maybe ball speed across the face, so on miss hits. So some drivers with the technology, like the, AI, um, the jailbreak technology from Callaway, things like that, spreading spreading that sweet spot, if you, little, if you like, a little bit, so you retain more ball speed. So I guess you can create more ball speed from off-center hits, but if you're just talking pure, if you're hitting out in the middle and you're pumping it, the, the, the ball speed has been limited for quite some time. And obviously you can alter spin characteristics from from a weight point of view, but you know you could you could kind of do that before anyway so so long as you've got something that suits the window that you the, the way you deliver the club um the, the right dynamic loft the right spin you're probably not going to hit it any further than you did in 2013 quite frankly you might have a more forgiving driver you might have a slightly more a slightly tighter dispersion i would hope but those people who think they're going to find masses of distance out of a new driver, it's just not going to happen nowadays. <clears throat> Joe, I have sat in bed thinking about this quite a bit with regards to golf clubs and ball and things like that, but I know you were looking at me like, where's he going with this? <laughs> but think about a toe strike. Yep. Okay, with a driver. Now, I've, I've ripped it out the toe, so, um, but... In previous, what's going to happen there is maybe maybe it's come out high in the toe. I'm going to get a bit more of a launch because it's come out a bit higher off the toe. Um, but my spin numbers have dropped off. So my, my chances are that that ball, when it lands, it's not going to stop a great deal. It's going to want to continue to go. Now, coming out of the toe, even though you lose spin, mm-hmm. which as we know, if we get that, if you, you talk about drivers moving about with spin and trying to gain more yardage because they can reduce the spin, higher launch, lower spin might get you a bit more out of it. But think about this, if you then, because I always think about a toe shot coming, going left on you can get yourself into a bit of trouble. Now, 
add on that now five mile an hour more ball speed that we've generated from being able to improve the club face. What does five mile an hour get you with low spin, high launch and going left on you? What does that create? And, and you're what you're I'm thinking at, 10 yards further into the trouble, are you? Correct. Is that what you're thinking? You're exactly yeah. right. So like five mile an hour is going to equate to potentially 15 yards mm-hmm. in the air. Yeah. Um, plus the roll. Plus the roll. So where these drivers can help you by, let's say, generating you more distance, they can also hurt you at the same time as, as help you. So it's always like there was always that thing. It's a very glass half empty kind of yeah, attitude yeah, yeah, towards it, the new but, technology. But, but you're, yeah, there's, there's some merit to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit like the, you know, when, when there was that time where um, they were shouting and bawling about the golf ball and the centerness of, you know, like the, the where the, um, the golf ball wasn't center. Oh, so like Bryson popping them in the bath and seeing which way they balanced. Yeah, and, and if you cut open a golf ball, yeah, you'll yeah, see yeah. that I it's see, not yeah. perfectly in the middle of that. That's it, that right in the middle of the golf ball, let's yeah, say, yeah. perfectly created. Yes. Again, where that can hurt you can also help you. So if you get a ball that wants to move left on you yeah. because it's not centered correctly or whatnot, for those players that are a big slicer of the golf ball, they might actually square it up just a little bit easier. Surely that's going to depend on the orientation of the ball at impact. Correct. Whichever one of its but You're thinking like bowls here, where bowls. where you put the, the, the weighted side one way or another to create. Yeah, possibly. Maybe that'll be the next advancement in golf. Draw balls. Where draw you, balls. Where draw balls just, and fade balls. Yeah, so you, you, you can set it up to hit a lovely 10-yard draw off the tee, but then you just roll in the dice on your second shot yeah. as to what orientation it's for. It's and make fallen sure on. when you're putting, it's in this position because then it'll give you the perfect roll. So you just got to roll the dice on your second shots. Yes, depending on the orientation. I mean, it's Unless you just do it for the winter, it's lift, clean, and place, and then you're laughing. Yeah, draw yeah, off yeah. the tee, fade into the green, play tennis in the summer. Done. <laughs> Absolutely done. <laughs> Be happy golfers everywhere. But I, I do, I do look at these these. Um, these what they call improvements with these companies and what they're doing with drivers especially because drivers the excitement isn't it that's the excitable product um and i do look at it and think well yeah i get what they're saying like they have to make improvements they have to make it sound different and sound more sexy yep in times but actually where it can help golfers it can hurt golfers at the same time yeah i'd say there's some there's some genuine merits that yeah obviously people have to make refinements, look for new innovations and ways to improve their products. And like I say, from, from I, I take a keen interest in equipment and always have. And, and over the past few years, the only sort of real innovations I can remember are generally about moving weight into different areas, saving weight on a, in a certain area so you can shift it to another area to alter the spin characteristics. And then subsequently some of the face technology where people thicken in the face in certain areas and things like that. But again, like I say, I stand by my original statement. You can't, um, from a centered strike, that's limited already. So you can't improve that. So it's just, again, improving the playability of the club that's the only the only win still available. And, you know, that, that can only go so far. You know, the head size is limited So you, again now, so you can only... You can only put forgiveness, you've still got to hit it somewhere across that face. And unless they can make the whole face perform exactly the same as the centre, I guess that's what people are trying to trying to push towards now from an innovation point of view. At the moment, I, thought, I feel we're, we're... I guess a lot of people have felt that, that through time. You think you've, you've got to the point where that, well, we can't innovate any further. But then 
in, in car manufacturing and whatever else, people find little edges all the time, new materials become available, new technologies, and and we, we pinch these sort of ideas from other industries, don't we? Like a yeah. lot of the golf club stuff has come from cars, from spaceships, from NASA, from whatever else. So someone will do something, someone will find something, and um, but then the governing bodies will have to assess whether people found it with a trampoline face, didn't they? The ERC too. And governing bodies soon get on top of that. Hence where we are with rollback and, and things like that. I find it funny when, even when the new iPhone was released this year, it's, they're now focusing on titanium. I mean, titanium for us was what, 10 years ago, 12, 15 years ago yeah, in golf. Great big bertha. Great big bertha. Yeah. Going from steel into titanium using different materials to create lighter weight materials, creating more speed. Are we getting that in iPhone now? Yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? So what's going to be next? What's 10 years down the line for iPhone? Carbon. It's going to have a carbon phone. Carbon. We're going to have red faces. Yeah, red face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twist face. You have twist a twist face phone. Technology. Twist phone technology. Twist phone technology. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> look forward it just to that, all yeah. follows in a little cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, Follow right. golf. Follow golf, yeah. Have mm. you always um, been a tinkerer with equipment? Where, where, where was the light bulb kind of moment for you then when it came to equipment? Have you always sort of like thought, oh, I'll take the head? Because I mean, before, yeah. you know, in the early days, you wouldn't have had the screw in heads. You, everything would have been glued. Um, were you always tinkering back then or did it, when, when did it yeah, happen? Yeah, no, I was, I remember, so I was a member at Clibri, Clibri Mortimer Golf Club in the Midlands, Worcestershire Way. Which and is where you're from, Worcestershire Way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I'd say probably, so I started playing nine, 10, whatever. I guess like 12, 13, you're just obviously that annoying kid that's hanging around the pro shop all the time. You, the assistant pro probably hates you being there, but possibly maybe likes a little bit of company, even if it is a 13-year-old who's annoying him. Um, so you're in the shop a lot. Then they say, oh, do you want to do a re-grip? I'll show you how to do this. And because you're there... Maybe they just can't be bothered doing it, so they want to show you how to do it. Oh, there's 17 more that need doing over there. Oh, brilliant, I'll do that, no worries. And they give you 50p and a coat or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed that process. Um, and, yeah, I think just when, you, when you're keen to get better and you maybe when you're keen to get better and you're lazy, you're looking for edges in, in other places maybe. And I, and I would, yeah, I just... There was a guy, well, I'm trying to think now, you're making me reminisce. There was a guy called Roger Morton at Schiff, he was near Schiffnell Golf Club. You know, the Schiffnell no, in Shropshire, a great no, golf no. course. He had a little shop, he was an old club maker. I don't know if he's still around, he was relatively old then. Sorry if you are, Roger. Um, and he sort of collected yeah, hickory stuff, refurbs, but he also had kind of a more modern side to his business with reshafts, and he was one of the first kind of into custom fitting. And I don't know how I came about finding my mum probably found him and, and um, when I needed a new set of clubs or something. Yeah. And his, like, workshop was just fascinating. He was just a real craftsman. It was like going into, you know, like the repair shop on BBC now. It was that sort of vibe, yeah, yeah, but for yeah. golf, and he had, like, everything old tool. Like, it, it was probably, it'd be outdated now, but it was just, it was really interesting. Um yeah, thinking now, I didn't have that prepared at all, but that's probably like a real trigger to interest in the club side of things. And then I started like butchering stuff to death. So I remember putting for about a year with a ping answer that I'd extended with a wooden spoon. Yeah. So, um, is that right? Well, yeah, I just didn't know how you were supposed to do it. Didn't have the, in did we have the internet? Probably had the internet, but I probably just couldn't be bothered looking. Just knew you, you extended it. So I'd, uh, I think I padded, I think because it was too thin to stick in the shaft, right? So I think I padded the bottom out with tape. Oh, lovely. 
Um, and then just, yeah, just rammed it in, got, glued it, sawed it. Did you get a bit of hinge out of it? Or did no, it, I think did, it was, was pretty it, solid. Yeah, pretty solid? <laughs> well, in, from memory. Obviously, you're not loading a putt that much. <laughs> I probably would have got a bit of a hinge if I'd extended the driver like that. Um, but I wasn't loading it that much. But yeah, I remember doing that. Um, and then, yeah, fortunately, I got a little bit more more knowledge and a bit more skillful at it. I just, yeah, I just always kind of enjoyed it. I like doing things with my hands, like fixing stuff, like a bit yeah. of DIY. Um, so yeah, the golf side of thing, and I like like a nice, neatly done job, like grips that are lined up without tape falling out the bottom, without white spirit stains down the shaft, ferrules that are finished tightly and neatly. Like I just like a nice, nicely finished job. It's yeah. probably the OCD in me. It's not a bad thing though, is it? And and you know, I've, I honestly feel like I'm a tinker. I always have been. I've always enjoyed understanding golf equipment when I was doing my repairs and things like that. Like I would always, as an assistant, I would always do the repairs here. Always loved, loved doing the grips, loved, loved taking heads off and seeing what was going on in there and, and things like that. And I just feel like I don't meet that many, well, I don't meet that many assistants anymore, but I don't meet that many assistants that go, Oh yeah, like well into my club repairs. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm keen as keen as with this. Yeah. I know it's niche, isn't it? And, um, I probably wouldn't be the type You'd think it'd be like that. I'm not. What's the point of putting this without being offensive? You'd think it's more of like a geeky, nerdy thing, and I'm not really. No, I would externally, I overtly no. that way. I think deep down I am, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's just always interested me. Like I found the repair side of the PGA thing was just such a easy breeze for me because yeah. I've done so much more complicated stuff, and they're just asking you to reshaft an iron and change a lie angle it's like hey, all right give me five minutes lads and i'll, I'll yeah, get up okay, a sit down kind of thing so you breeze through that yeah. as other people are setting fire to their own face and hacking their arm it? off and uh it's unbelievable have i, have I failed on. yes like the amount yes. of broken heads that would be oh, from remarkable. a from a from a lie change and you'd think wow you know and they were they to be fair if you knew what you were doing you could grab the softest head yeah and you only had to just nudge it slightly flick it with yeah, your elbow yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was gone <laughs> yeah. you know it would bend yeah but did you did you end up in a tour van i mean did you spend any time in a tour yeah, van? Well, a little bit so we did we did had a little bit of work experience when i was at celtic manor um so when i did my training period at celtic manor we we were quite um a nice partnership with TaylorMade. So we had their performance lab up at Celtic Manor. I think there was like some kind of sales incentive at that point from a custom fit point of view that I'm trying to think how it came about. Yeah, most probably SLDR or M1 drivers or something sold in fittings, come and spend a, uh, a few days on the tour van. It was at Brit British Masters at Woburn. So did a few days with them down there. Um, again, which is really interesting because that's just another level of precision and stuff you don't know and components that aren't available to you as a consumer and um, just just the, the intricacy and the importance of getting it bang on and the ability to change CG and hot melt heads and grind wedges and that sort of takes it to another level and that's, that, that's really, really interesting. And then I'd had a little bit of experience of it before. I haven't played a couple of, of now DP World events and because you, as you've said with Paul, like you get access to the vans for the week and you just, yeah, I'll go and change everything. You know, it's, it's the most mindless thing you can do, but it's, it's all there for you. So like you, you almost can't help yourself. So you're on the vans, you see this, you oh, speak to the Vokey guys. Can you, oh, my wedges are a bit worn. I've had them two weeks. Yeah. Uh, could you replicate these and build me another set with some really cool stamp, like what, you know, whatever else. Um, so yeah, you just get got exposed to all that a little bit more, and yeah, it's always it's just always been an interest of mine. It's always been... talking about 
Paul on the, the I mean Paul is the ultimate bodge tinkerer that I've, I I don't know anybody well, else part that of can that gym, bodge that part of that gym yeah. setup that he's got at home he's still got like his, his self-made shaft extractor that he seems to have made out of like a coke oh. can and an old television or something like that I don't know it seems As he says me, it does the job. But like, but. well, doesn't it? But like, and, and his equipment, well, I, did I room with him? I room with him one night, I think, when we uh, when he won the British this year and then we, we were switching around rooms for tea times and whatever. But his clubs were just sat there and I played a bit of golf with the pool, obviously. There's ferals hanging off. His three wood was rattling away or his five wood or something. Um, everything was a different swing weight. Some had light grip, some had heavy. It was glue on the shafts, and I'm just like, I, I felt physically ill looking at it. And he goes and wins the British PGA. So, like, <laughs> does that belittle the things that I, because I don't necessarily believe like wholeheartedly in the whole concept of it's everything's got to be precise to be able to perform. Yeah. I just like it that way. Yeah. It's not necessarily, I think, well, you can't do well unless that's spot on. Of course, you can. Like, these guys with ridiculous clubs that, um, shouldn't make much sense for them your five would as an example in terms of length and your um your rbz and like there's lots of people and and you see like marco penge just won the challenge tour when you were out there do you see his putter no, uh, so not in, i've got i must have a close similar similar to, well go back and look at your close up his putter's about six degree out in lie angle for him his heels about a centimeter off off the ground so like really? it sh shouldn't make much sense that face should point a bit right he's probably not s difficult to center the strike and but it, you know he, he won that event by six shots so odyssey putter he had yeah he was the, the, the fashionable yeah, jailbird at the moment wasn't yeah. it yeah so but he yeah really really high hands Look like a standard sort of lie angle putter very high hands and so heel massively off the floor which happens to me because i like high hands sometimes yeah um but yes, it shouldn't make much sense, but putted fantastic one and I looked at Paul's gear. I was like, oh, Christ. Well, what's interesting about Paul is that... Is this, oh, sorry, there's something interesting about Paul, did you say? No, no, no the only thing interesting okay. about Paul is uh, we, when we were at Wentworth and I was caddying for him and, and this you got to remember this was his first experience of... I mean, he's played Challenge Tour and things like that, but you don't have ex access to the vans like yeah. you would, would do. So, Let alone at the premiere... Oh, event because everyone's there, all yeah, the big yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, and he's got. I mean, he if he could have had a brand new golf bag, he would have had it out of the van. You know, it, it was kind of one of those weeks where he was just going to raid the van for everything. But do you not? Th sorry to interrupt you here, but do you not think? Because I, I've got so much time and respect for Paul and his yeah. his the way he thinks about things. I wonder at that point whether he's thinking, okay, you know, obviously we're going to have a good week and that'd be great. But if I can get some superior equipment together this might aid my next five years as a oh, pro well, and blah, I'm, blah, blah. I'm so glad and he's still that. using it. Yeah. He's still using those fairway woods that he got that week and or, or maybe until like a few months ago. I don't know, he's tinkering around with other bits, isn't he? Yeah. But he's got a decade out of them. So, well, here's the interesting thing is that when he's raiding this van, he, I remember he put, a, uh, he, he, went, he went onto the Titleist, he's went, so he's on the TaylorMade van, but he's nipped over to the Titleist van I think he shooed me in there to sort this bit out because you know what he's like. He doesn't like to front it up himself. But <laughs> so I've gone in and I've got a, f a new 46 degree wedge for him, right? And he's, oh, that'd be perfect. Thank you. Well, I'm well organized, you know. He starts hitting it on the, on the range and he's like, track, he's got track man lined up. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have a track man other than the, the range at Plymouth. But so he's got track man now behind him. He's hitting shots on the range with track man. And now this wedge is coming out 
four or five yards shorter in its carry distance to what he's getting out of his current wedge. And he's yeah. like, you can see his head scratching and his everything, the cogs are going inside. And even though he was going to put it in the bag for that week, he didn't. And the, and the main reason it didn't wasn't going very far was because, or was because he was generating he, his old wedge was so worn out. Just high launch, lower high spin. High launch, lower spin. You know, whereas the new one was ripping on it a bit more, mm. getting a bit more spin out of it, losing four or five yards. Yeah, which is which. You know, for someone like him who and he got it in the end, but it took him a little bit of time to get there. But he did exactly what you said. He went into that van and he got all this kit. Did he use any of it in the tournament? I don't even think he put one club in the bag that really? was new for that week because he just, even though they built these clubs for him and he's had the the, the, the heads bent and all yeah, this yeah. sort of stuff going on, he still didn't trust it until he gets to take it off at home and then sort it out himself. Well, he told me about even like swing chain. Is this, is this the pool podcast? Sorry, yeah. But he told me um, about like swing changes he makes because I was asking him like how do you when you're making a change he's like well I think about it then I'll try it in the net <laughs> then I'll take it to the range then I'll take it to the course on my own yeah then I'll take it to the course playing with someone else and only then when I'm confident that it's the right thing will I try and implement it into like there's always method there's always like he, he's the I'd love to be more like Paul in that respect because I'm just Hell to skelter. Try this. Try that. Ooh, ooh, that didn't work. I'll try something else tomorrow. And you don't end up um, getting any better, or certainly getting better at a, a decent rate of time because you just you're changing too many variables, aren't you? So, like the science experiments, you can't when they're when they're testing testing products. Think about Will Smith in uh, I Am was it I Am Legend, I am where he legend. gets stuck on his own. He's testing the rats to find yeah. better. You can only change one little part of the remedy. Yeah to know whether it worked or not. Because if you change three and it worked, well, which, yeah. th which, which three Correct, things? Yeah. So, so he's very methodical. He work it all out. Why am I talking about Will Smith and Paul Hendrickson together? Very methodical, work it all out. And that, hence why he, he, he achieves what he achieves, in my opinion. Talking about achieving things then, do you feel you've achieved your full potential within golf? Playing the game of golf. Let's. We won't come on to your career at this point, but like, let's talk about your golf. Do you feel that there's still things out there that you want to still go out and achieve? Do you have you got things that you miss? Yeah, definitely. I think. Well, two parts. No, it would be would be fair. I think most of the people that I play with, when I when I'm playing well, because of because of the nature of my game, because I've got a lot of speed, and it looks quite good sometimes when I'm playing well. I get a lot of why you know what or used to obviously um, you should be on tour why aren't you doing this why aren't you should be playing and um, yeah when my, when my golf's really good it looks it looks at that level because I can compete from a length point of view and stuff like that um, from a consistent I just I just never followed the the Paul Hendrickson role the model of methodically getting a bit better every day looking for little edges I would just flit around I try I, I was physically talented I'm physically uh, able to make a few little different things work but I'm horribly impatient so if something doesn't work I don't stick it out and just back you know I'm, I'm, I'll try a different method like I think I've told you this before I remember playing the British amateur at Royal Birkdale yeah oh, oh, I was playing with Ollie Fisher and Charles Schwartz I think it was 
And on the way up, I just decided, I was on like England squads, I don't know what handicap or whatever it had been, but I was playing some decent golf in, in patches, I guess. But on the way up, I just decided that, well, I'm playing some Lynx golf, I want a nice penetra- penetrating flight and loads of leverage. So I'll, I'll get it with a really strong grip, loads of leverage and hit like these... Sergio Garcia laggy punches. That's what I'm going to do this week. I don't know. Like, where's that come from? Like, you just, I just got I reinvented my swing on the M6. Like, why? What, what am I trying to achieve? So I, I remember playing the front nine there, and I had my friend Phil was caddying for me. I had eight putts on the front nine to be two or three over par. So think how bad you've got to hit it to have eight putts. I had two chip ins and one two putt to be three over par. Just everywhere. It was it was horrific. And then um, ambled through the like the the stroke play, missed out on the match play by a couple of shots, like 74, 75, something like that. And then the next week's the Berkshire Trophy. So I'm like, well, that didn't work, did it? Strong grip didn't work. What should we do? We'll do the opposite then. We'll just go really weak. So I, I couldn't see any knuckles on my left hand, right hand right over the top. That'll make sure the blade stays open. Then all we've got to do is aim left and it'll just fade. This is brilliant. We'll do that. And I... I, I Played some of the best golf I played. I came second. I can't remember. I was about 16, 18 under or something for the 72 holes. It's a low-scoring course. But I just had on a string. I just start everything at the left rubbish, drift it back into the fairway. Everything at the left edge of the green, drift it back onto the green. Couldn't possibly hit it left from the grip I had. It was so open. Uh, cracked it. This, this is what we'll do. Um, within two weeks I had something else on the go I think I went split handed after that with my grip because I decided if I could get more leverage I could find more yeah so it's just that sort of nonsense that persists today like I'm not I've not grown out of this like I, I know this is nonsense but I've not grown out of it that's what limits me whereas I've seen a lot of other players that we grew up with Ruthie will, Ruthie will probably testify to this like a, a David Horsey, for example, uh, my friend Ollie Farr, who's playing on tour at the moment. He's back on Challenge Tour at the moment, but he's, he's on and off main tour. <clears throat> Maybe don't have the physical attributes and the speed and some of the other bits that I've got, but they've never changed a thing. Like they look exactly the same as they did when they were sixteen, as to now. So they've just done the same, stayed on the same disciplined path, and just got point one percent better every six months and just incrementally got a bit better big that wasn't all right for me mentally i wanted to get 20 percent better in a week yeah and you just can't do it but i'm still trying and it's pathetic but um that's what that's what limits me looking for quick fixes wanting something to feel better rather than having a a solid plan like a paul like an ollie far like a david horsey where they just stick to something and and continue to get better, and that's a that's a personality trait, and a. But I think <clears throat> just taking you back to the the, uh, I think you said Birkdale, where you would you would decided to to change. That's where it started, as far as I'm concerned. From 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 that little run of of events, you were going. You, the, the initial get go for that was that you had a ball flight idea. Yeah. So you visualise... But there was nothing wrong with my initial ball flight, but I had not. an idea of but, something but I'll you try. you thought, yeah. right, okay, going to links, I want to bring that ball flight down. I'm going to... In order to achieve that, I need to take loft off. Well, I could take I could take spin off, which could slow your swing down and take the spin off the ball, which then get it maybe get it flat, flat in the flight out of fraction, but then you're losing speed. So you've already you gone wanna... far more into depth to the thought process than I would have done. Mine would have been, I fancy it in some compressy thudders this week 
and that'll be that'll be it. There was no like I'm bringing this ball flight down because it may be windy and it's links and yeah. it's and and there, there wasn't any reasoning necessarily behind it. It was just something you, I want to try. But do you put that down to a feel? And 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 the reason I say that is because obviously when you go and create golf equipment, when you go and rebuild a club or mm. whatever you do, you're you're creating feel with that. Like you're, you've, when you're building that club, you know the characteristics that you're building it to, to the shot shape that you want to try and create or the flight that you want to create or the spin that you want to create or the launch, whatever. Is it the feel element that you've kind of run to there rather than breaking it down in a more practical way? Because what you've talked about there as a ball flight point of view at the Berkshire <clears throat> makes complete sense to me because yes, you know, it's probably not that that windy at the Berkshire. It's certainly clouded by trees, so mm. therefore you can it can protect your golf ball a little bit more. But certainly, if you can get a bit of a higher flight, start up the left, let it drift back to target. Like you are, you are softly approaching that golf course the way yeah. I see that. And and that was, I think, feel from your ball flight of what you wanted to try and achieve that week worked. Whether it was just a stab in the dark situation it because you just a nice be, fit for the yeah. but you just got away with it because it was that type of golf course and you've changed. You had to get f- as far away from what you were doing previously to yeah. where you got to. Uh, do you not put it as like as feel? Yeah, yeah, possibly. And I think you're right about uh, that was just a perfect storm say that week where I played very well it was just my particular random thought that I decided to go with that week suited the venue by chance, not by design. It was just like, oh, that, that, that'll that work well. There's yeah. a lot of holes that go left to right and suit that kind of... It wasn't like, oh, I've, I've articulately picked apart this course and looked at it on Google Maps like Paul would and yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to play with because of that. It was just, well, that didn't work, so I'll try the opposite, you know. And it is feel-based, but I think a lot of it comes from belief and because I was never someone who had a lot of belief in my own game. I think more other people have more belief in my game than I had. And then I would look around and I would just look at, um, just take inspiration from other people because I just think what they're doing must be better than what I'm doing. So I'll have a bit of that. I'll try that. And then it could be someone you've seen on the telly and I'll try that. It could be someone I played with last week and I thought I loved the way he hit driver or struck this or did that. I've even tried to like slow down 15 mile an hour of club head speed before um, having played with like Phil Price in a uh in like a, a welsh pga thing because you're just like well that's just so easy it's just it's not puffing up it's just coming out nice and flat and straight can't get into too much trouble because it's not i'll play like that and you just think well, what, what am i doing that this is like a huge advantage for me if i can if i can re-. so just get lost in these ideas of yeah. um what i want to be what i like what i think looks good that week or was going to work where like search 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 rather than i think a lot of people or the people i see succeed it's really boring and it's probably not a glamorous answer they just know what they are and do that to death just 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 perfect their set of skills rather than try and uh there's probably more examples of people who have tried to change their set of skills and got into trouble like uh Luke Donald, when he went searching for distance, lost his game. You know, there's plenty of people who, who've had that type of scenario. Keimer, when he tried to change from his fade to his draw. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for. You might not lie, love the set of skills you've got, but that's what you've got. Yeah. So you've got to learn to love them and and refine that and perfect what you do rather than coveting what someone else has all the time and trying to emulate that and these are really wise words coming from the worst protagonist of what i've just described in the world 
but that's that's what I would tell my younger self. My younger self would tell my older self to sod off because I'd have known everything. But that's that's what I'd have told myself is just like figure out this is what you've got. You've got speed. You've got a short game. Perfect that. Don't don't mess around with your grip. Just just stick to some fundamental core and just get a bit better every year. And then I think things from a, from a playing point of view would have been very different. But there's a lot of ifs and buts in there. My my mentality wouldn't have allowed that to. I'm just not that steady guy. I'm not that stay on the same path and things will be all right in the end kind of a guy. I'm I'm Dell boy from Only Fools and Horses. This time next year, Rodney, I'll try that. We'll do this and that'll all work out. You know, just one big deal, Rodney. Like I'm I'm that. I think, unfortunately. And and as you know, I I've been uh, on my own channel, kind of putting out there about the way I feel about the round of golf, a golf that I've played in recent times. And also like, cause I don't feel like there's enough people out there telling their story of, because they're not, they're too scared of doing that. They're, they're, they're scared of opening up and showing yeah. their, showing their weaknesses, let's say. So, but I, I doesn't bother me at all. I'm happy to share with people exactly what I've goes no on. In that. I've got nothing left. <laughs> I just let it all go. But you've, I mean, we've had conversations. You phoned me pretty quickly after a video I put out about all of that to, to discuss it and try and chew the fat with it as in mm. try and try and help me along the way with it. And, but I want to take you now because obviously you, you, you have played, as far as I'm concerned, you've played golf at some of the biggest stages. Um, DP World Tour or European Tour is probably what it was back then, but you played at Celtic Manor mm -hmm. in the Welsh Open. It's going to change legs, getting stiff. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> um, yeah, Celtic Manor, Welsh Open. Mm -hmm. You... Just, yeah, talk us through kind of, I don't know if you played in it once or twice, did you? Twice. Twice, okay. So first time you could played have been, in it? Could have been, I've never told you this bit, actually. It could have been thrice, but the, there's one in between those where I felt my game was so bad, I pulled out. I had an invite yeah, and just, just me, didn't, yeah. didn't play. Um, so yeah, it came about, so I, I was doing my training, my PJ training at, um, at Celtic Manor. I'd sort of finished playing full-time and trying to be a player. Yeah. And uh, then I went in after a couple of other bits, messing around for a little while, Got a job at Celtic Manor, started my training, my PGA training, and did pretty well on some of the regional things quite early on. So I just picked up where I left off. Was playing okay, won a lot of assistance events and shot some really good scores. And the director of golf at that point was a very keen golfer himself. And he just said to me one day, you don't want to be in the shop, do you? Five days a week doing this, doing that and the other. And I was like, well, yes and no. Like, I'm... I, I, I was never fully back invested in the idea of playing, but when someone says, you know, we can support you with a bit of help to to play these events and some clothing and some extra time off than the other guys and whatever else, and and if you know if there's a, if if we can, we'll maybe get you into the Wales Open, you know, European Tour start. So you know, piques your interest. And anyway, that that's what happened. We set up a. They wanted some local interest for the members, and you get sponsors' invites. So they set up an event where all the pros from Celtic Manor, we played a 36 holes. There's a lot of pros at the cause. It's a big venue. We played 36 holes down at the 2010. Um, and the winner of that, as long as they were within, I think it was two shots of par over the 36 holes, because they wanted a, a cutoff point, would get a start in, in Wales Open. And I won that. Uh, it was, I think it was a little bit set up 
for me to get in because not not many other guys were playing that much no, at the yeah. time and stuff like that. And in coaching and retail, they were yeah a lot, a lot more that way orientated. And I and I yeah I was the only one sort of actively playing a lot of the regional stuff. So um, so yeah, I, I, I played okay. I shot I don't know a couple under par for the thirty six holes and, and got my starts. So then you you're trying a little bit harder and um, yeah, I don't know. I was never back fully in there. Right brilliant this is my chance and I'm going to because I was just doing my PGA training and that's as far as I was concerned what it was going to be but this is this is fun while I'm doing it um and then but I was pretty confident still back then I I didn't have as much scar tissue and I was literally looking forward to the event I was playing some good golf and I um you know had a couple of practice rounds some good players and and you see Brooks Kepka was playing played a couple of holes with him and even even some of the really good hitters I was up with them and I was thinking, well, hang on, I'm not. I can compete with length with these guys. I know this course really well. Staying local, I'm, you know, I've got a bit of support from them, from the, from the members, and this thing. Oh, I could do all right here. And um, yeah, and first day we got an awful, awful kind of um, tea time. You know, it was a sponsor, a sponsor's invite. We were like. I think it was three fifty in the afternoon. So yeah, basically Chasing waited all day. Around. Yeah, it was it was very dark when we finished, and it was blowing a hoolie. Like the morning was okay-ish, but I think only something like three or four under was leading. Like, what can yeah. I remember these things? I can't remember where I left my car keys this morning. But like Lee Slattery, I think was maybe three or four under, and that was best of the best of the day. Yeah. And after that, I think from the afternoon rounds, there wasn't a single round under par. And I think the scoring average was something like. 76 or 77 in the afternoon it was like blowing a hoolie freezing cold there was Celtic hold up in the wind I mean is it a tough track in the wind oh it's is it I mean, played it's, for wind with wind in no it's just a, it's a tough track full stop in tournament condition that was something I hadn't sort of fathomed yeah. like I play it a lot in or played it a lot in normal-ish conditions greens okay speed and whatever else rough up but not up up and in the practice round you start to go wow okay this is a bit different the greens were like a lot firmer than I was used to so they dried them out a bit the rough around the greens was a lot juicier so you come in not only you're coming out of this juicy rough that it's more difficult to control the ball you're landing on a surface it's more difficult to stop it on on slopey greens the rough in certain areas so the first cut if you went just off the fairway was cut towards the green. Yeah. The next bit was cut back at the green, so you couldn't really get it moving at all. And the third, the the thicker stuff was like spiral cut, so it was just a lottery, and you could you could lose. But like it was just a really tough setup. And then add to that, it's like seven and a half thousand yards, thirty mile an hour cold wind in the afternoon in your first tour event. So oh, here we go. And I was teeing off on the 11th, it was 2T start, and 11th's the, the par five, it's a bit easier to start on than the 10th. So you start on 11, and then all of a sudden, you know, a few members are out, and your parents and your, your missus and friends and what, and load of the staff from the, are all there, and you're like, oh, hello, this is, this is a little less comfortable than I thought it was going to be. But yeah. I, fortunately, I wasn't quite the gibbering wreck I am now back then, I, and I managed to just stand up, and I just belted one down this par five, like a 320-yard, hard draw into a it was like into and off the left of the window I did my two playing partners by about 60 yards yeah. it was like adrenaline <laughs> just get this out of the way through. hammered it <laughs> and started out like a steam train flushed an iron shot then couldn't couldn't get up because even though I hammered it it was still like 275 or something like that into a good cold wind two iron down the right wedge it just miss a putt then next one's a 500 I won't go through every hole here by the way but next one's like a 500 yard um par four 
paying back into the teeth, water all down the left, water down the right, hammered a drive again, good iron shot in, just missed the putt. Then you're playing a 200-yard par three over water, which which you, if people play Celtic, it might be 160, 170, but they find some other tees and you, all of a sudden you, you, you're drilling in a low three iron to this ridiculous target. Then you've got the hardest hole on the European Tour, the 14th at the 2010. And it's, but I was flushing it and I, I got all through all of that stage, level level par was I one and all level level sorry and then get to the drivable 15th up the hill apart that and then 16 you turn into the wind turn back into the wind into and off the left tough hole 5 10 par 4 um into a cold wind the lads I was playing with couldn't get up and I was like well I'm just going to hit a low and I'm still level par which for the afternoon wave would probably have been the best of the bunch and I mean only 5 6 holes in but I was like if I can get through this, I can contend this week. I'm at I'm at this level, and I've just I tried to sort of hit a low, drawy, penetrating thing when just hit your normal shot and accept it's not going to go as far. Smother hooked it into the garbage. Like if it if it went a hundred yards before it hit the ground, I'd be surprised. Found it, hack it out. Uh, anyway, a calamity of errors. Then next shot into the bunker. Didn't get out of the bunker because it plugged, made a seven. And I've gone from feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof and I could contend in this tournament here to like I could literally feel the confidence. Like it was like I could see it dripping out of my fingertips. I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me. And I I had nothing left. I was like a a shell. And I don't know how people recover from that in mid-round. But I just ambled through there. I've gone from like level to three over, bogey the next tough par three. And I ended up shooting... 80, 81, 9, 10 over par, something like that. And it gives you just shot after shot, just frittering away. So just, just looking back at that now then, so let's say that you were, you now, are caddying for your you then. Mm. How would you, would you even now have an answer to your younger no. self at that point to say, right, Joe, you, you, you're bleeding confidence here can see it coming out your fingers have you got an answer for that now no i genuinely know i'd love what to would you have tried to have said to you well i'd have tried you try to say all the things that you're supposed to hear aren't you and say look isolate the incident move on from that forget that knuckle down next shot's completely different every shot in isolation blah 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 but there were so many i wasn't prepared for it i wasn't mentally resilient enough to just to, to be as um clinical and methodical and, and logical as that and go yeah that was a bad hole but look at, look at the other six you I just played. I was just about you, to say, because you, you have played, you know, arguably one of the hardest tee shots is always going to be possibly your first shot yeah, yeah. in a European tour event. But then if you look through those holes that you've just been through... I, I, didn't, hit, I didn't miss a shot. They were, they were centred, they were flushed, they were... In everyone. the toughest environments. Oh, it was good. In the toughest environments, good. you know. And then to hit... All right, you're going to hit... Game of golf is a game of misses. You're going to hit one bad shot, one or two bad shots in a round. You're never going to hit the perfect number how does how does now joe tell that younger joe about does it does that younger joe now reflect have to reflect on those good shots that you've just been through is it almost a case of walking that person through those shots and saying look let's just let's just break this down for a split second here okay sponsors invite okay you've hit some cracking golf shots you've wowed the crowds everyone's behind you you're enjoying it one shot yeah, and that's the logical response. But um, who's on your bag? There's a friend of mine, John Devereux, uh, just a childhood friend, and um, 
Yeah, I don't think. You, what can no, you, you, what you can't? You what can't. can you say to someone in no. that environment who's just like um, yeah. clearly gutted? And you'd have said the same sort of thing. You just say, oh, "Come on, mate, stick at it." Blah blah yeah. blah. But you just you don't hear that. You no, just, no, no, your no, confidence no, 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 has gone. No. Your head's scrambled. You, yeah. you you just want it. You want it to end straight away. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and sort of subsequently learning more about myself. Like uh, I've. I've spoken to people psychology-wise, counselling stuff like that. Not not about that specific thing, just just generic, general, gen- generic life stuff. And one of my problems is I, everything has to be perfect, and yeah. if it's not perfect, then I've lost interest. I've, I mean, that's right the way down to the feral that you create for the, the, the yeah. I can't you use it. Like if it, yeah, if, if it's, it's just lip on it too much, because lip. If it's yeah, you know, whatever. If the face doesn't sit quite how I want it to, if. Um, there's so many things I'm a bit oh, I guess of a paradox in that sense because I can be a right scruffy get from a dress point of view sometimes but that doesn't trigger it from like, but like um, another good example of that when we played a, we played a, like a break par series at Travos and I started out great I think it was like five or six under through 11 holes yeah hit a great tee shot down the 12th and we just never saw it it was down the left sort of left edge of the fairway over the big bunker hammered still to it. this day never saw it I think it was obviously just a bit damp and it's plugged, yeah, it's plugged and we just never saw it so like that to me like a lot of people there go right okay never mind get back to the tee if we can make a six we're still four under this is a good score blah 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 but because it's no longer it can no longer be perfect or complete to me I don't. I'm not angry about it. I don't. I'm not. I don't really get angry in a golf course. I don't like have that sort of response. But it could no longer be, even if I'd have birdied in from there and shot whatever nine, ten under par, that would have made nothing to me because I'd have just been thinking, well, it could have been twelve under if that. If that. So, so like, I don't have that perspective. I don't have that. I've got this weird perfectionism thing where, and I remember after that, so I made triple on that hole. Then I think I went birdie, 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 or at least birdie, birdie to get yeah. back to maybe four, something like that. And then I hit two balls about five foot out of bounds on the last, made a nine and finished at like one, one over or something, didn't I? Yeah, 73. And I remember you and Paul like texting me later again, oh, mate, like gutted for you. Um, you've handled that really well and blah, blah. And I was sort of looking at the phone going... Have I like why are they why are they so bothered about this? Like, because my round had finished for me on the twelfth. On twelfth, I had no interest in there, and that's the only reason I birdied the next two or three holes because I'd check out whatever. Right, okay, can't be ten under, so you know whatever. And you can't play golf like that. You've just got to like like you just said. I remember watching your Sunday morning show about Portugal. I can't remember the guy that told said it to you. But if you go out on a pro am and whatever else, and it's not working out for the first few holes, you haven't got a swing digging do the very best you can on every single shot and, and blah 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 and just see where it ends up and that's you and you've got an honest 82 is better than a dishonest 79 of like you've just checked out and gone through the motions yeah. I know all these things but I, I I find it difficult to to put them in and, and then people tell me what a lovely attitude and whatever I've got on a golf course of that respect and yeah, I suppose it's quite a nice demeanour not to be like that you know, angry at something that would have you know whatever, but it, it's not helpful to me. It's like a, it's a weird perfectionism that doesn't serve me at all for golf. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, complete sense, complete sense. I can't believe that you had because I was chatting with you and maybe it was the camera and me and Paul being there. I don't know what it was, but you, d- you didn't look like you'd checked out, as in 
Um, it's not like still... it's not like a head-off checkout. No, it's just no, 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 exactly. a, okay. Well, that's not going to be perfect now, so I'm no longer interested. It's like a very yeah. calm, calm, collective. Not bothered about it. Yeah. It doesn't like it doesn't wind me up. It doesn't this that and the other. It's just like oh, that's a shame. That could have been. I could have birdied that better than the next and shot ten under. That would have been really nice, but I can't now. So oh, whatever. But it's not like a right. Let's let's stick it out and see what the best we can do now is. I don't have that. No resilience and um it's a real shame i say don't have i'm sure you could find it from somewhere but i haven't you haven't found it yet i have not coming away from golf i mean the the, the main heading that i even had written down i did have a small note oh, <clears throat> main heading i had was like you go from the head pro at probably one of the biggest and well-known resorts in the world because it's hosted at Ryder cup um a number of Welsh Opens, Celtic Manor, to then, to then finding yourself now in a position where you are in a bit like what I've done is you, you, you've moved into another part of golf, which is the media world of golf, which I'll, I'll be brutally honest, when I first kicked off in this, I never, never knew what it was all about. And I didn't know it was, it's just another, it's like another world of golf that I didn't know existed. Um, just, you know, what was it like to be the head pro of a of a huge resort like Celtic Manor? It was interesting. I mean, I, I loved my time there and I loved all the people. Um, I got given such good opportunities like those Wales Open starts, um, some of the events you got to be involved with and the people you would meet. We had like a NATO summit and you stood this close to Barack Obama and seeing the tanks on the fair. Like some amazing, amazing experiences. Um, it was, it was just a genuinely interesting interesting place to be it was a lot of um there were a lot of hours um and like any workplace there'd be a few gripes of things you could 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 do better and you you want it to be really really good but overall I, I really enjoyed the experience the people there were great to me um made some lifelong friends who I still talk to now and it was just yeah it was it was a really good experience it just I think I wonder sometimes whether it spoils you for other roles because after that from a head pro point of view, it'd be quite tricky to go and work in a, in a standard club where you, you, there's less going on, there's less dynamism, there's less, you know, one minute you could be fishing a range ball stuck out of the machine and then Rio Ferdinand's behind you and Stephen Gerrard's on the range or Anton Decker coming in or, you know, there was all sorts of interesting people and little, little things going on. So I wonder whether that kind of... Uh, alters your expectations or like maybe expectations but level of what will pique your interest from there on in and then I struggled for a little bit after when I left Celtic just probably seeing the reality of what other other sort of head pro or club manager jobs and it just didn't suit me didn't suit me at all but yeah from a from a Celtic point of view I, I can't can't fault it just just really enjoyed it but was there ever a goal like I mean, f for me, you know, people ask me about, oh, you know, what's your end goal and all this. My end goal is when I tap out and say, thanks very much, I'm out yeah. of here. It's, there's no end goal of like being a head pro of a golf club, being a secretary of a golf club. There was never a goal of going, oh, I, I, well, I want to end my days as the, you know, the, the CEO of bloody RNA. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see myself going, did, did you ever look at a goal and go, right, I'm at Celtic now, I want to be the head pro at Burkdale in 10 years time or I want to be the head pro at the Berkshire in 10 years time and it, 
you know, or commissioner of the DP World. Like, what, what was there ever that for you? Honestly, no. Um, and again, that's probably indicative of my character. Like someone like, I keep referring to Paul. I sound like I'm obsessed with the man, but like he'd have had a plan. He'd have think I'm working towards this. I'm doing this now because I want this to be in place for this. And you know, it could be wrong, but it generally feels like there's a plan. Mine was after I'd finished playing, I we moved to Bristol. Just Where should we go? Bristol. My wife was at uni. They'd been at uni there. I had some friends there. We'll go and live in Bristol. I'll figure out what I'm going to do from there. Was working for one of my old sponsors, running pubs and bars, and there was half a chance there was something going to be opening near there. So I thought oh, I'll do I'll do that. But anyway, that never materialised. So sort of once we'd done up the house, was looking for a job. Just uh, went to the HR department at Celtic Manor with my CV. Thought well, I've worked in food and beverage. I know golf. This is a golf hotel. Spot on. That'll do. And then found a role for me. Went in in golf sales and just worked my way up from there. And then just just things happened to me rather than a plan happening. You know, I worked in golf sales for a bit. Was probably the worst sales agent or reservations agent they'd they'd ever had. No interest whatsoever. That office you could see the golf courses from there. So you know. Looking out the window, seeing people playing, trainee role came up for the PGA. Oh, trainee roles! I could do my PGA. It's would be a good place to did that. Started to do well. Was pretty good academically, so I finished in the top ten in the country on my PGA qualification, and, and breezed through that, and then worked my way up from trainee to academy manager to head pro to head of retail, and had like four hundred jobs being paid for one at, at some point, but. Um, yeah, it was just not a plan. It was, there was no, well, what will we do after this? What will be? Just, it's just a journey. Do this at a time. We'll just get a job. That's a job. I'll, I'll have that job. Opens a lot of doors. You meet a lot of people. And um, you know, obviously, it's good on your CV and, and, and things like that. So it was just a case of, right, that'll do for now. And we'll, we'll see what transpires from there. And it's, I'd love to say I've got a huge master plan now, but I'm still kind of, kind of on that route. I love my role now. It's a great role. But um, there's no master plan behind it at all did you ever get frustrated from a financial point of view because i i purely believe deep down that there's not there's for such a high role of what you had and 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 there's such big roles that are around the country in golf and how high a profile golf is and still those resorts are and big golf clubs and head pro roles like I don't, I still to this day don't believe that there's enough money to be earned from it compared to other industries. I don't often disagree with you. And I don't know, I totally disagree with you on this point because there's some excellent people doing some amazing jobs that probably deserve better remuneration from what they're doing. I worry nowadays that from a PGA Pro point of view, well, I think we've had this discussion once or twice, touched on it. The pre-J Pro isn't valued how they used to be. Um, they used to be revered and, you know, if you still are in the States, from what I can gather from a lot of my friends who are in the States, you're a head pro, you're kind of a big deal in the, in the community, the you're well-respected yeah. and you're well-compensated um, for, your, for your knowledge and, your, and, and whatever else. I don't feel that's the case over here and I've got my views on why that is and um, from a PGA point of view it's probably this might come across terribly and sound sound harsh but I feel the entry criteria is to become a PGA pro have, have, have loosened far too much to the point where um, 
people who you don't have to be a great player to be a great coach. You don't, but you, you have to. I, I believe you have to be a. There, there, there's a still a point. You've got to be able to to do certain things and and be able to demonstrate and 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 from a even from an academic criteria point point of view you know the level the amount of GCSEs you need or has, has altered the handicap system changed to used to be allowed to to start your training off four or less I think it was at four, one point yeah. and four was very different pre in the old handicap system to the new handicap system so not only did the new handicap system make it easier to manipulate your way down to say four if you wanted to do that they increased it to six I think now so I, I just think it's possibly a supply and, and demand issue. I feel there's just so many, so many trainees and people coming through it, it that the the market is diluted. There's just so many PJ trainees that maybe aren't, in my opinion, of of the quality. So when they go into those roles, aren't providing enough value to the club and to their members and making people better at golf and giving the right stuff possibly this is this is speculation and just an opinion that when those those kind of people start infiltrating and becoming this the, the the figurehead at the club and they're not providing the expertise that maybe a stricter criteria would would force you to i feel that's where the respect gets lost and when the respect gets lost the remuneration of the role gets lost um that that's my that's my opinion on it. I think they could be. I think things could be a lot lot tighter. Uh, and I think if you if you tightened up that entry criteria, the pool that that would come through would be better. It would be more competitive. They'd be more competitive against one another, and the uh, the game as a whole would grow. I think there's there's some people coaching and fitting and 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 doing things within the game that aren't, in my opinion of a level to, to be able to really improve the players and, and do what they're doing. And I think that has an adverse effect both on the, the game as a whole, because I don't think maybe golfers get better as quickly as they could because the coaching is as good. And an adverse effect overall, ultimately down the line on, on the PGA. I don't think it's re- as revered as it, as, it once, as it once was. It's quite a negative well, uh, no, but it, you, you've kind of you put your opinion on it and that's, that's and, fine. And, and, and just and just as a caveat to that, sorry, that's not uh, any... Um, I don't mean that as a slight on the people who are going into it to do to do that, because of course you would. If your dream is to be a PGA pro and you meet that criteria that's set and you want to do that, then absolutely you've got every right to. They, you didn't make the criteria up. Mm. If you fit, if you meet it, go and do it. And, and that, that's what it should be. I, that, my gripe's not with those, those people. I think that's absolutely fair game. Of course you can do that. I just feel that I, I feel there's room to tighten that up and then... There's only so many golf clubs around, and the golf the number of golf clubs in the country is is dwindling. If you know, golf clubs are shutting, um, or, or were to, you know, I haven't got the up to date stats on it. Yeah. But if there's less venues and more and more candidates, some would say that makes it more competitive and and <clears throat> from a job point of view, and you can be more selective because there's more candidates in the pool. It just depends how you come across an interview. You could be exceptionally talented in coaching and retailing and, and, and a great person, but if you don't interview well versus someone who isn't as good as you... I don't know, we're getting, we're getting down a rabbit well, hole. Well, you're, what you're saying is, is just by, by not hitting a level which ultimately the game... You know, it's a professional golfer. That's, that's, what, we, that's what we go into, professional golf. 
Um, and if you think that, of, that term gets one, that's what professional I mean. golfer or golf professional. Yeah, like, well, this is where people have tried to twist it around over the years. But at the end of the day, when you think of a professional, you think of somebody who is proficient at that. Yeah. At that chosen sport. If I was going to be a professional long jumper, I better be able to jump a decent distance. I can't yeah. just flick off the edge of the board, can I? Correct. Or a professional diver, I need to be able to dive and not make a splash and all yeah. these sorts of things. So golf is, you, you should certainly hit a level. Scratch golf to me is that level, always has been. You That's know, where I pitch day, it. Yeah, people, no. people know that because when people think about a golfer and they say, oh, he's a pro, is, is he any good? Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? Is he a good coach? Is he a good at retail? No, 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 no. Is he any good? Yeah. That's what people want to know. And then the respect level is of this height. Yeah, and I think um, there should be an obligation as a as a pro to, I can't remember what the criteria is now of what you've got to do from a continued playing point of view. I think you, can, you have to put something like, I don't know, seven scores in over three yeah. years to meet the criteria. And then after you've qualified, do what you want. You don't, don't have to pick up a club again. There and, is always, and there's a lot of pros that don't pick up a, a club again. Yeah. And for me, sorry to interrupt again, okay. but like if you're at the, if you're at a club and 15% of the membership can beat you, at golf I'm not saying you have to be the best but you know but the, the, I just think there's I think there's a level personally yeah. and you there are so many uh, there's a lot of people out there who are not never got to a level at golf but do a fantastic job when it comes to retail do a fantastic job when it comes to club management and 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 you know fittings and coaching yeah but as a whole as an average and that there, like what, any arguments you have, there'll always be exceptions on. to rule. I can think of, I won't name oh. them. I can think of a couple of people off my head that I worked with uh, at Celtic who, who who weren't players and would never profess to be players. One of which is particularly good coach, a national coach, um, and very professional, very articulate guy. Um, so you know, my way of thinking would that have ruled him out of of pursuing that profession? I probably would, so maybe I maybe I am wrong, but I, I see more for every person like that I see who who probably didn't meet the playing criteria but does a really good professional job, I see about a hundred of the, the other who don't meet any criteria yeah. who can just fly in and, and, that, and that's I'm a what, PGA and pro. Ultimately that's what devalues a brand, yeah. isn't it? That's what that's what devalues it to a point. Yeah, hundred percent. Moving you off for that then, bringing you now to your current role and you know, very similar to me in the fact that you've just spun it round from, you know, doing what you were doing at Celtic Manor to now being in this media world, which you've now taken a job with Golf Monthly. Yes. Um, how's that? How's that? How's that going? It's going really well. I love the role. I think it's brilliant. It's like um, a great bunch of people, just really nice team. Um, yeah, some of the best people I've worked with, just really, really talented team, really like enthusiastic team, really supportive of each other. It's it's a really nice bunch of people. But uh, the Joel, uh, the Joel, the Joel, Joel's the my role. boss. The Joel's your boss. Yeah. Joel, that's, that's a Freudian slip. The job as a whole, which which goes into Joel, the 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 job as a whole, job and role suits me down to the ground because it's I'm, I'm basically I'm an equipment writer, so I'm this. The job title is staff writer for Golf Monthly, but my my area is equipment. So I do um, all the writing. I'm category manager for drivers, irons, balls, and lasers. I think it is. Probably should probably should know that. And golf nets. <laughs> golf nets just gets chucked in there actually, but that was another one. Yeah, and yeah, so I'm responsible for reviewing things, putting independent reviews out in print on the website. 
um, some video creation, some um, little bits of instruction when uh, when required and things like that. So it's like a, yeah, it's a really all-encompassing role. Um, the review inside of it's really fun because you just, you know, I can work from home. The DPD guy turns up in the morning. Who's my new best mate? He's one more clubs, is it? Yeah, more club. Bring him in. There's always some some new cool stuff to try, and you get to try it before everyone else. And some nice trips to go on. And it's yeah, it's just a, it's it's a lovely role. It's a really really good role. The people are good. The role was good. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great company to work for. The holding company is called Future. They operate a uh, what is it? Uh, there's there's no annual leave. You don't get an annual leave entitlement. You just take as much as you need. So it's as flexible as you want, as long as you're not yeah, taking the it. mickey. Yes, yeah. or abusing it. Um, you know that for me, once I've settled into the role and got through what's going to be a really busy December, January, February period, launch, product launches, which is massively busy for me. Mm. I think there'll be scope to, as long as I'm keeping up my workload, play some golf because I don't have to worry about oh, am I eating into my holiday entitlement so I can't see the kids and go on holiday. You know, I'll be able to to flexibly work and so yeah, it suits me. I couldn't be happier in my current role, which I can't say I couldn't have said for best part of a decade. Certainly, working with what we did, you know, coming onto the channel and seeing what we do with all the cameras and stuff like that is. Did you think that sparked it for you? Was it or was it always in the back of your mind that you were quite keen on media? Oh no, world? never, never never occurred to me at all um yeah and, and even when I applied for the role it wasn't like a, I didn't know there was going to be much video element to it I didn't know there'd be and I'd heard on the job spec and in the interview process that yeah we'd like maybe do some present some videos and this that and the other and I, that was kind of an add-on afterwards where I thought oh I could do that you know I've been in front of the camera with Dan and whatever else it's difficult isn't it like we, I've asked you a couple of things and and you know, I'd like to get better at it. I'm still pretty wooden. And where do you look? What do you say? What do you do with your hands? Should I be moving? Should I be still? Should I? It's quite. A, you've probably yeah. been through all of that a hundred times. And well, every time you edit a video, you pick up something that you can improve on. Whether yeah. that's where your hands are, or how much you move your hands around, or where your eyes are looking, and yeah, yeah, yeah. How, the, how many ums you say. Yeah, yeah, and um, we'll just I'll, I'll, um, I'll go through the whole monologue and I'll put one um in and it will, I'm done and I have to do it yeah, again. Yeah, start again. And you said to me, just now, just keep your ums in, stop looking back and put it like just get your take done and and move on. And yeah, and, and, I, and I, yeah, I found it. I think I'm all right, but I'd love to be. I, th- I think I've got a decent personality, so I think I could I could do quite well with it if I just chill out of it. But I probably thought that about golf as well. <laughs> do quite well if you just chill out of it. So yeah, that's been really fun. Really enjoy it, um, and hope to be doing it for. a for a, a really really long time yeah it suits suits everything really well and i hope you get you back out on the golf course very soon for us to get out and do just another so bit of sit uh, waiting by the phone you just waiting just sit waiting by the phone all day and the call never comes it, well, you rang me up the other day to ask me about swing weight but you didn't re- no. ask me to play golf i do apologize for uh, that but odds. we will get out we'll do another little break par should we do a break par oh give me a bit fancy of warning that? fancy that well i need a bit of warning Saunton. Let's do a break par at Saunton. Yeah, let's do a break par at Saunton. Fancy that. I don't have to travel far then, do I? No, I'll come, I'll come up to you. I'll pick you up on the way through in the van. Oh, bless you. Look at that. All I need is a cup of coffee. I'm done. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to come and sit here and spill, spill the beans. Enjoyed it. Very therapeutic. Yeah, very cathartic. Well, thanks a lot, mate. Cheers, bud.